Hi everyone, you're listening to Jess in the Flesh. So this is just the audio version of my live streamed radio show. So I switched it over to podcast format. I live stream the show on Twitch every single Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to check out the show that way, you can. Also, we're on YouTube, so the link will be in the show notes. So if you want to check that out, honestly, feel free to do so. Anyway, on to the episode. Hey guys, how are you today? I hope you're doing really super well. I'm just gonna introduce myself. So my name is Jess. I'm a 23 year old college graduate. I just graduated in May of this year, you know, so Corona time, Corona grad gang. And so I decided to make this radio talk show to help people kind of cope with graduating during this time, students during this time, really anyone. I really like topics of discussion that include mental health and self-development, as well as creative stuff. So today's episode, the topic of discussion is going to be all about my YouTube journey. So we're going to talk about me, my YouTube, my opinions on YouTube, and why I've been sabotaging my own YouTube growth. First, we're gonna do my weekly recap. This week, if you've been following um, and listening to the podcast episodes, I've been taking a virtual assistant course to learn how to be a virtual assistant. The course I'm taking is very thorough and in-depth and has, like, every single piece of information I would ever need to know about being a VA. And so I really only this week started to work on my portfolio. I need to continue to work on that to have samples of my work in it and things. I kind of was procrastinating on that, not gonna lie. But you know, sometimes we need to take some time to relax and do some self-care. So This week was really low-key for me. I took time out to really do much-needed reflection, mental health. I needed to check in on myself and make sure everything's good in the old uh, nagging up there. So I watched a lot of New Girl because that show always makes me happy. It's hilarious and it brings me a lot of joy. It's one of my new favorite shows and I'm now on season two. Don't spoil it for me, babies. Do not spoil New Girl for me because that is the one thing I have right now that's making quarantine semi-decent. Work has been okay. There's nothing really that sticks out there. But I am also looking for another part-time job or even potentially a full-time job to replace the retail job I currently have because your girl... Her goal is to get a car by the end of the year. I want an orange Honda HRV. His name is Mo. I already decided his name. That's how much I want him. And I still need to save some money so I can put a hefty chunk of change for the down payment so my monthly payments will be lessened. So I and need more money coming in in order to do so. And then also if I have more money coming in, the sooner I can save for my own place and I can be like deuces and move out. Regardless of that, I'm on the hunt for employment. So if if you want me to edit your videos or something, like, please give me your money. (laughs) I'm kidding. But yeah, today it's funny because it's just very quiet in the home because nobody's here right now. I'm just home by myself, chilling, vibing, spending time with my dog. It's really interesting because this is the first time in my whole life where I've spent this many consecutive days by myself. My brother is meeting my parents and they are all headed to our family friend's home because they just moved down south to North Carolina. So they're staying there for a few days and seeing their new house. 
I couldn't go because I had to work this weekend, so I am here with my dog. It's quite odd, honestly, but I'm proud of myself because today I actually left the house and did something by myself for myself in public. I'm really honestly proud of myself. I didn't think I could do it, but alas, I did. I went to the post office because I sold a couple of items, one on Poshmark, one on Mercari. I sometimes list some of my clothes that I don't want anymore. I currently have maybe like 30 items up. I'm probably going to put up 20 more. There's a lot of clothes that I own that I never wear that I have no need for. So might as well try to get a minimal funds from it, honestly. So far, I've probably made like around $100, maybe a little more than $100 from it. And, you know, it's just something to do. I like to, you know, do mundane repetitive tasks like you may know, take pictures of the items, measure them, and everything. So that's probably a project for this weekend. Additionally, I'm trying to get my corner of the basement set up. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but currently where I am recording this right now, I'm in the corner of my basement, and all of the stuff that was in the back corner, which was a mess, by the way, basically, like, not hoarding level mess, but it's pretty, it's pretty messy. So I moved all that stuff out. I'm gonna use the shock vac, vacuum the crap out of that corner. Again, I did it once already, but I need to do it again. How to prime the floor and then paint the floor color. So I'm gonna at least start painting and re-shock vac it because that's gonna be like my little personal area, like my little, my own little office space. So the show may be filmed back there once the space is ready, but right now we're still in the same spot. It's funny though, because I have the entire house to myself, yet I chose to sit here and do my show regardless. I just feel like this is the nice little little area. So I just said, hey, I'm just gonna stick with stick with tradition and record this where I currently am. Anyway, I've been filming this weekend for an upcoming vlog on my YouTube channel. Obviously, I have a YouTube channel because the topic of this show is about my experience on YouTube and everything, this, that, and in between. So, yeah, I'm vlogging this weekend alone and we're gonna see how that goes. Anyway. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, I'm going to play some music for y'all. So, let's get the ball rolling on some bops. So for our first musical recap, I played Colder Throats by Layla, Baltimore by Hodera, Broad Ripple is Burning by Pipe Parker, and Closure, the acoustic version by Vancouver Sleep Clinic, and Madeline by John Vincent III. Okay guys, I hope you liked and enjoyed the musical selections. During the songs, I was kind of just on my phone. We had a little bit of overlap there, but we, we chillin', we vibin' now. And yeah. Now I'm gonna talk about YouTube. Topic of discussion. So we're gonna just start out with my story and why I ever did YouTube and kind of just a little bit of background on me and my content over the years. Now, I began on YouTube almost six years ago. It's like a month and a half till six years. I began November 26, 2014, so almost six years ago, and yeah, I feel like I started at that point. Well, let me just start here. I, I did a small YouTuber tag a while ago, and one of the questions was like, why, why'd you start making videos? Why'd you start a channel? And I said something along the lines of, oh, I thought it looked fun, and it was, you know, it just seemed really interesting, and I looked up to all these people, right? 
I'm just going to show you that clip now and then I will explain what my theory is after. So let me just show that to you. I was inspired to make videos because I like grew up and I watched YouTube and I was like, this seems fun. I really looked up to Superwoman, Shane Dawson, I still love Shane Dawson like a lot, Dan and Phil and like Brett and Link and there's there's so many other YouTubers that I aspire to be and I was like, hey, this looks like fun, I want to learn how to do this and it's because I've always been a like creatively driven child. I danced for 14 years growing up, I did art growing up and I just wanted to try out a new creative outlet because I am very sporadic when it comes to my interests and I just like to try everything and I'm so glad I tried YouTube because I love it. I love it a lot. It's great. Hey. So essentially in that clip, obviously you heard that I said that I thought it was fun and I wanted to be like all these YouTubers who I used to look up to a lot. And also that it was just another creative outlet for me to express myself because I'm just drawn naturally to all creative things. And although I feel like the creative part is true, I now theorize that I really started YouTube because of a more deep and dark kind of reason. I mean, not really too, not really too dark, but like just dark enough. So growing up, I've discussed this in previous podcast episodes. I have an avoidant attachment style, so I didn't really have a lot of close friends. And at home, sometimes I felt like I didn't really have a voice because I'm not going to blame anyone in particular, but one of my siblings has a very demonstrative personality and... I, I love him, but he's very over-the-top expressive and vocal and, you know, makes his opinions known and it almost made me feel like my opinions didn't matter and I continue to isolate myself even in my own home sometimes, you know? So I felt like Start by starting YouTube, I was able to actually express myself and use my voice because at home and at school, I didn't feel comfortable actually speaking my mind. And I just didn't think anyone would care about my opinions or want to listen to me. And it all stems back to like self-esteem and stuff and my self-worth. So YouTube for me was really good for me to just like let it out because if I didn't have a place to kind of put my voice and make it feel like it was important enough to be heard then I don't know I don't know what would have happened because all the other like creative pursuits I did didn't involve me using my voice and speaking my mind well I feel like now that YouTube was kind of that crutch for me YouTube really just gave me a place to express myself, use my words, speak my mind, and made me feel less alone. I liked filming videos and using the camera because the camera can't talk back. It can't just deny you of your opinion. It can't judge you. It's just there, you know? The camera can't just like get up and walk away and like not listen to you and ignore you and make you feel abandoned in a sort of way, which, you know, I had abandonment issues as well, but that's, that's for another time. So I just really felt connected to it in that way. I just wanted my voice to be heard and to feel like at least one other person cared about what I had to say. It was really about me finding self-worth and stepping into my voice. Even if my content wasn't, like, you know, deep or anything, or um, anything too crazy, that's just my theory on really why I started. I started because 
I was alone and I needed a place to express myself. Or I felt alone and I needed a place to express myself. Also, along the line of self-worth, I really wanted attention and praise for being myself because I just felt like I was too scared to kind of be myself in my own in my own life like I always felt authentic enough to the point of you know doing what I needed to do but there was always a level of authenticity that I felt like I never reached until I came onto YouTube because of my fear my fear of not being listened to my fear of being rejected by my peers my fear of causing conflict within my family because of very opinionated people in my life I felt like there was a place where I could truly just sit down record a video and put my authentic self out there because it needed to come out at some point and it felt like it was being withheld I never put on something that was overly fake or dramatic or anything in real life in my videos sometimes though authenticity is a very interesting topic because obviously when the camera's on you can kind of get caught in trying to be entertaining for other people and not just really stating and acting like you would in a normal everyday scenario and that can be difficult because you don't know really if this is a real person or just a persona that they have when I make videos and when I'm on YouTube I feel the most like myself because for me in those moments there's no judgment because it's just me talking to a camera I'm by myself I feel the most like myself when I'm alone as opposed to with other people but I want that to start to change because you can't just shut yourself out from the world because it's just not good for your mental health but beside the point I just really wanted to be as authentic as I could be and kind of let my true self out and express what I needed to express for my mental health and for me to stay sane and feel like I mattered. That got deep. So reflecting on like my first video I ever posted on YouTube, November 26, 2014, your girl made a video talking about her irrational fears. I don't remember too much about that video I don't want to waste time reacting to that video. I'm probably going to do a reaction at some point on my main channel. So I will do that when the time comes. But I essentially remember some of the things I said. Some of them are so relevant. Some of them aren't. One of them was biting into corn on the cob. I had the irrational fear of my teeth falling out. I can bite into corn on the cob now successfully. So (laughs) applaud myself. I'm not really scared of that anymore, but I still can't bite into, like, apples with my front teeth. Recently, I actually faced that fear and ate an apple that wasn't cut into slices, but I used the side of my mouth. That's a side note. But when I posted videos in the beginning, it was just for fun. It was, it was just a really good creative outlet for me. I really didn't take it too seriously and my content was very much a variety of things. In the beginning, I did a lot of um, vlogs, tags, you know, (laughs) when YouTube was about tags and questions and things, Q&As. Obviously, I didn't have anyone who really was interested enough in me to ask me questions at that point to do Q&As, but... I would go on the internet and find random questions and just answer them because I love answering questions. And everyone loves to talk about themselves, whether or not they admit that they do. Y'all do, bitch. (laughs) You, You do. And 
So I really enjoy doing that and just other random snippets of my life. Eventually, there was a turning point in my channel probably two years ago where I began to incorporate some reaction videos and I did some ukulele covers and all sorts of content. And I really developed my style of editing. For me, I found more of the joy in editing than filming. There was like a transitional period where that happened. And now I really enjoy editing because editing is my playground. That's where I get to add my little embellishments and make the video more interesting. I feel like a lot of YouTubers don't put as much effort into editing as I do, not to brag or anything. I know that some just don't like to do it, but that's something I thoroughly enjoy doing, and I feel like that makes my content stand out among the crowd. Over these five years, I've not grown a lot, you know, and it's it's funny because then you hear about these overnight successes like Emma Chamberlain, Joanna Cedia, these people who just rise up from it feels like essentially nothing and overnight they have it all and you feel like you want their life but you know you're you're stuck and I'm gonna discuss some of that kind of stuff and also why after five years on YouTube, almost six years on YouTube, I'm still a small YouTuber and my theories behind why I haven't grown my channel as much as I probably should have by now. And I know everyone grows at their own pace, but I'm just saying in general terms that I know people grow at their own pace on YouTube, but average people who have been doing it for this duration of time are typically a lot further along than I am right now. And it's okay. And I'm fine with it, but sometimes it can be discouraging, but I'm going to discuss that after this music break. I played Melancholy Deja Vu by Nico Monarbrek. I also played Oxygen by Hometown Losers, Dancing After Death by Matt Mason, and Ramblings of a Lunatic by Bears in Trees. Okay, guys. So, let's continue with the meat and potatoes of the episode. So, basically, I'm not going to talk about why I believe I sabotage myself from growing on YouTube. So my first part of this is I was the most inconsistent person when it came to YouTube. Looking back on my content on in the five, almost six years on YouTube, I have only produced 109 videos and typically if you want to grow it is a general general knowledge that you should post at least once a week. So if my math is correct I should have around 400 videos. So four times the amount of what I currently have on my channel. Noted some of my videos that I have on there I have deleted because they, they weren't it. So maybe I had a few more. But still, that proves how inconsistent I have always been posting on YouTube. And there was also a brief period of time near the beginning where I almost took an, an entire year off from making videos. I didn't make videos for probably six or seven months in like 2015. So during that time, that didn't help my case. And I feel like 
the reason why I was inconsistent was because of being me as a person. I've explained this before in past podcast episodes, but I tend to cycle through my hobbies a lot. You know, I will really get excited about one thing. It'll hype me up for a couple of weeks and then I'll be like, I'm bored and do something else. And I feel like that kind of has happened with YouTube a few times, but YouTube is always that one platform that I continuously come back to. There have been things that I've tried that I've liked in the beginning and I didn't really like anymore and I never came back to them, but YouTube has always been in the cycle for me. Also, I typically am not consistent on days of the week. Usually, it is known that when you post weekly, you should post the same day at the same time. Because YouTube kind of senses that, like its algorithm is like, hey, it's this time. Your girl's posting a new video and they'll be more likely to notify your subscribers because they know that your content is up. Whereas my videos haven't always been posted on the same day at the same time. I have switched up my posting day of the week so many times. It used to be Sundays. And it went to Mondays, it was on Saturdays at one point. And now currently, I have no idea what day it is. Um, and that is something I have to decide on and stick with if I ever want to grow as much as I can on YouTube. Consistency is probably the biggest factor to grow on YouTube. And it was something I just didn't do. My second point of why I think I have not grown on YouTube is not sticking to a niche. Like my personality, my content tends to be all over the place. Very sporadic, very inconsistent, like my last point. My inconsistency also relates to my niche, right? I have, over the years, made vlogs, reaction videos, tags, story times, ukulele covers, and hauls, and fashion content. That is way too many categories, and nobody knows what to expect when they come to your channel and they see all these random videos. Or even they subscribe to you for, let's say, oh, I made a reaction video, someone really liked it, and they subscribed, right? And then the, the next video you make is fashion. They're like, what is this? Who is this person? Why am I subscribed? And they'll unsubscribe from you because it wasn't what they were expecting from you. I know that sticking to a niche allows people to know what to expect and to subscribe for that particular genre of content that you make. I think that sticking to a niche is a very valid way to grow on YouTube, but I do, however, believe that you shouldn't be limited by being in a niche because then you're not going to enjoy YouTube as much. It's a platform where you can express yourself freely as you want to express yourself and you can't just limit your creativity and be closed-minded because, oh, I have to stick to my niche. But especially in the beginning, I would say allow yourself to experiment, make all different kinds of videos, make whatever the heck you want because in the beginning you have the least amount of expectation. You don't have really anyone to expect anything of you. So that's when you can go in and be broad and make whatever content you want. If you have 500 interests like me, you can do that. But after a few months, you really have to figure out what kind of content that you make is your favorite. What do you like the best? And make most of your videos surrounding that topic. Okay, I've done a lot of research on this stuff, so I know what I'm talking about. I just don't implement it, which is why I'm hypocritical, which is also why I'm not growing. But besides the point, I learned that the more specific your niche is, the easier it is for you to build a really good loyal following and community because you are a big fish in a small pond, meaning you have less competition for people to click on your content. It's a less saturated 
area of YouTube. So it'll be a lot easier for you to rank in search, which is a very big thing to get your content in front of more people. That's why a lot of experts say to niche down to a very, very, very specific thing. But at the same time, you can't let that limit you and limit your content. So that was kind of my struggle when it came to niches. I know that being in a niche makes your channel grow a lot more quickly, but I didn't want to sacrifice my openness and willingness to experiment with my content and really truly just make whatever I wanted to make whenever I wanted to make it. When your intention is just for the numbers and just to grow, you lose focus on why you're doing it in the first place because you enjoy it. And so for me, I do want to grow on YouTube, but I still want to be able to experiment. So I'm trying to gear myself and lean towards being more in a vlog or comedy video kind of space. I mean, it's still very general, but it still allows me to experiment. And also, I want to be able to make maybe three videos a month that are very much within my niche. Maybe start a new series or continue some of my old series that I haven't really made videos for in a while. And then one video during the month, that will be my time to really experiment and push my content. And that won't really be in my niche. This will allow me as a person to really just be able to let my creativity out and push the boundaries of my content. I don't want to feel limited, but at the same time, I also would be making my audience happy because it's mostly content within my niche. So I feel like that is a win-win scenario. So that is something I want to try. And if you want to try with me, if you're a YouTuber, we can, we can do this together. So my third point, I just recently touched on it, is getting caught up in numbers. I used to really get caught up in numbers, especially in the beginning, because you really want to see your subscriber count grow. And the first 100 subscribers are definitely the most difficult to get. Even the first thousand subscribers are the most difficult to get. The bigger your subscriber base is, the, and the more your subscribers watch your content and like and enjoy it, and your view duration goes up, or your watch time increases, YouTube is more likely to push it out to more people. But when you're first starting, you don't have that core audience yet. And so, you're not going to get as many views, obviously, and you're not going to see the numbers immediately overnight and I used to lack patience when it came to that and so I would get discouraged when I didn't see any growth or anything from video to video and a lot of the time it doesn't have to do with your individual video or the video itself even it could do with your thumbnail it could do with your tags or just because you haven't really paved the way for yourself in the space yet to be a well-pronounced name. I, in the beginning, really was, I was just not too happy. And that's why I took that almost seven, eight months off in 2015, when I started in 2014. That was the end of 2015. But anyway, I really just wanted to grow. At the very beginning, I didn't care. I just put out whatever content I wanted, and it was really fun. But then a few months in, I really got hyper-focused on numbers, and I equated them to my self-worth. And it just wasn't good for my mental health, and it sucked. Also, when you're caught up in the numbers, and you don't see any growth, it can be very discouraging. I had that point in 2015, and I also have had moments of being on and off YouTube, posting for a while, and then not being back, 
going away for a month and coming back and just cycling through being on and off the platform, it's because you're not seeing growth. So you feel like nobody is expecting you to do your videos. Nobody cares if you do them. You're not being really held accountable. You don't have an established audience, so it's easier for you to make excuses not to post. And that's kind of what I fell into. I was like, nobody cares about my content. It's not worth it because nobody is finding me. And I got really, like, bitter about it. And that's not the point of making content. Obviously, I told you why I started. Well, you know, I realized why I started recently the true reason, and it was to feel like I was heard. I don't know, when I was caught up in the numbers, I didn't feel like anyone cared or was heard by anyone. And so I feel like that was also discouraging. And additionally, there was a certain point, probably around three, the year three or four, where my motivation for posting changed. All I wanted was to be monetized. All I wanted was to get AdSense on my videos and, you know, hit that threshold. And so I would post content that I didn't necessarily enjoy. Like, I enjoy every video that I posted, but I would recreate videos that I didn't enjoy as much filming just because they performed well. About six or seven months ago, this was very recently, I had a video where I reacted to a self-hypnosis video or someone hypnotizing you through a screen and I did a full reaction to it. Plot twist, <laughs> not plot twist, but telling you like it is, I was hypnotized. I wasn't faking. Some people thought I was faking, but I wasn't. And it performed the best out of all the other videos. So I made two other, I didn't even make them videos. I did live streams because I was too lazy to edit them because I didn't really want to do them in the first place. But I made them anyway because that's what the audience demanded. And I gained probably 30, 40 subscribers from that. And for me, that is significant. For perspective, I have 421 subscribers as of recording this. So five, almost six years, 420 subscribers. And even saying that, it's to me kind of shameful. And I know that what I'm saying is you shouldn't get caught up in the numbers, but sometimes it's really hard to not. And once you start doing that, like when I was doing that, I also needed to take a step back and that was also part of the reason why I was inconsistent. When you're caught up in the numbers, you're doing it for the wrong reasons and it went from something that was helping my mental health to something that was hurting my mental health and that is a priority for me now and it should be a priority for everyone. But I'm trying to navigate this and I'm trying to learn not to care and just post a video and once it's out there, don't constantly look at the analytics and if a video doesn't perform as well as the last video, it has nothing to do with you and you just have to keep pushing that content because when you continue to make content, there will be something that will pop off for you and you'll, you'll get there. It's just a matter of time and a matter of persistence. The fourth thing that really messed up my YouTube growth, this is, this is a hot topic. I'm I'm going to expose myself here. So around those first 6 to 12 months of me being on YouTube, I wanted my numbers to grow and I was so invested in my numbers growing that I did sub for sub. If you don't know what sub for sub is, basically they have groups and there's also Instagram accounts where you post your channel, someone subscribes to you, you subscribe to them, so your subscriber count goes up. And I did this because I was so invested in the numbers and I equated one more subscriber to a point increasing my self-worth. And obviously, that's dumb. 
and it doesn't help you in the long run. And I realized this after a while, so I stopped, but I still don't think I deserve 421 subscribers because a lot of those subscribers weren't earned. A lot of them are basically bots, <laughs> which kind of sucks. I wish they would just unsubscribe from me because if you have a certain amount of subscribers and since they did sub for sub, they don't truly care about you or your content. They're not going to engage with your videos. They're not going to watch your videos. And it's going to make YouTube think that not even their subscribers watch their videos. And so they're less likely to actually promote them to other people and broaden your audience. So I did this for a few months and I realized that this was stupid. And also, you literally look like a freaking clown if you have like 10,000 subscribers and your videos are only getting 20 views per video. And you, you really can like tell when someone is faking their subscriber count or doing sub for sub. It's just crazy. I didn't want my channel to get to that point. And I real I'm thankful I realized that earlier on because it could have been worse. I mean, typically, if it's a healthy video on YouTube, it should get around 10% of your subscriber number in views. So, if you had 100 subscribers, it would be okay if your video got 10 views. But usually, I feel like when it's smaller, it's a lot easier to get m like more than that. 10% when you're bigger 10% is a good metric to go based on I feel like I I learned this lesson thankfully I learned it but it really messed me up early on and I feel like I'm still recovering from that mistake that I made and it has caused me to question whether or not I should start a whole new channel fresh. But I don't want to do that because I love the content I have on my channel now. And I want people who are new to subscribe to me to be able to see the growth and progression from me almost six years ago now to now. And I learned that I needed to value quality subscribers over quantity because even if you have one to five loyal subscribers that are going to hold you accountable to posting or engage with your content, comment on every video, really encourage you, that's significantly better than thousands of fake fans who are just another fake subscriber that's not going to actually give a flying fuck about anything that you are posting, any videos that you are making, and it'll really screw up your analytics, my friend. Your analytics, the algorithm, both not going to favor you in any way, and... This is the question that you all probably have been waiting for. If I knew a lot of these things that I mentioned, why did I continue to fall into those habits? Obviously, this is minus the sub for sub thing because I stopped that after only a few months. But everything else, getting caught up in the numbers and, you know not sticking to a niche and my inconsistency, especially my inconsistency. If I knew not to do that kind of stuff, why did I continue to fall into those bad habits? This is my theory, guys. I've always told myself that I wanted to grow on YouTube. I wanted to be a YouTuber. I wanted to have a voice. But inside, I feel like I lacked that belief that I could do it. Because, you know, you will say that to someone like, oh yeah, I really want to be a YouTuber and I really want to make it big and do all these things. And 
people in your life can sometimes be very down to earth and limit your dreams and limit your beliefs and be like, oh, that's hard or you can't do that or just be very discouraging and it kind of gets to you or even if you don't say it to anyone, you keep it secret, you're surrounded by limiting beliefs that say you can't go or do or be a certain way or accomplish your dreams and that really kind of affect affects your thinking and so that's where I was I didn't think that I could so I found excuses not to and I didn't want to fail and I had perfectionist tendencies and so you know it came to a point where it's like why should I keep trying if I'm already failing and quitting itself is failing so I never, like, quit or announced that I'm done or just completely stopped making videos, but I have definitely taken unannounced breaks frequently, and that's one of the reasons why. I also feel like I sabotaged my own growth because I was scared of being relevant, <laughs> which is crazy because it's like, if I'm caught up in the numbers... Yes, I want my account to grow. I want to have a lot of subscribers and I want to be able to potentially make a living off of this in a, an ideal world, right? An ideal situation. And being relevant and really just turning into a role model for a lot of people, I found a lot of pressure in that deep down. I feel like when you go from feeling like your voice isn't heard to having all the attention in the world, you're just, I feel like I would get overwhelmed. I would go into shock. I wouldn't know what to do. And it would almost be like my freedom of expression is limited and kind of taken away from me in a sense. I was scared of being relevant. I was scared of being a role model. I didn't want to grow super, super big because when you grow that much, especially overnight successes like Joanna Cedia, if I were her, I don't know if I could have mentally handled that, even though I was so caught up in numbers and I, I admit I did the sub for sub thing in the beginning and I wanted to grow quickly. If I actually grew quickly... I wouldn't know how to handle that because you're going like overnight to being a role model and kind of growing into that role and being successful at what you do and the more successful you are at YouTube, the more eyes are on you. I didn't want to say or do something and end up being like a bad example for someone else. I didn't want to make a mistake and put it online and hurt other people, especially with cancel culture going around. And if you don't know what that is, it's when typically people will dig up something a relevant YouTuber or celebrity has said or done in the past and bring it back up to try to ruin them in their career and cancel them in a sense. And the more you grow on YouTube, the more I feel like it would be like stepping on eggshells and you would be more limited with the content you'd want to create because you can't fully be self-expressive because you don't want to offend anyone and you don't want anyone to take what you say and turn it against you and make you look like a bad person. We all have our own senses of humor and we all cope with things in different ways. And a lot of the things that are taken from the past and are being used to hurt other creators and destroy other people's careers, it isn't right, especially if they have grown as a person. I can understand bringing up those controversial topics if these things have happened consistently and are still happening to this day and there's no personal growth or any effort to change whatsoever from that individual. That is understandable. But if it's something 
one thing that someone said years ago and it's brought up and it destroys them that kind of pressure I wouldn't personally want to deal with I just get a pit in my stomach I would rather not get that big to the point of potential for me to be taken down by something I did or something I said I don't want to limit myself and my content and I don't want to filter anything out because on this platform no one's real anymore it feels like authenticity is slowly dying authenticity is what made the platform the platform and different from television and drew a different crowd and had people fans of these people just for being themselves and so it just is super hard why some if something someone said years ago wasn't dealt with then and you bring it back up why is it relevant now if it happened that long ago in the past why should it matter people need to learn to let shit go and stop getting butthurt about every little thing. Everyone has said and done things that they regret in the past. Every single person. Not everyone is a hundred percent an angel all the time and in these people's scenarios who are being canceled from things in the past, it's only happening because there's evidence of their mistakes on the internet or in media and people get jealous of their success and it makes them feel more powerful to take someone down and I just don't think that's right. I just never want to be a part of that. So it's kind of this internal battle within me that I, I want to grow on YouTube because I, I love making videos. It would be amazing to get paid for doing what I do for fun or what I enjoy doing but at the same time is it worth all those eyes on you is it worth being this role model and feeling like you always have to be perfect 100% of the time because if you say one thing wrong the entire world it feels like will be out to get you I don't know if that were to happen to me, if I could emotionally handle that stress. So I'm gonna continue making YouTube videos. I don't know how consistent they will be because of this inner battle within myself, but I just don't wanna say or do the wrong thing. I don't wanna hurt anyone. And by remaining smaller, I can be more free to truly express what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, and my sense of humor, which can be a little bit more dark, can be a little bit more perverted than a lot of people, and some people may take offense to that, but I don't want to limit that. I don't want to push that side of me away just because I might offend someone. If they get offended, they don't have to watch me. They can unsubscribe, they can leave. I don't care. Like I said earlier, I don't want someone subscribed to me who isn't actually going to engage with my content. That's almost redundant, honestly. Anyway, enough of that talk. That's how I'm feeling about YouTube, my journey, why I'm self-sabotaging my own growth. Up next, I'm gonna do my cover song for y'all. I will be performing a cover song of Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. This video is actually one of the ukulele covers on my YouTube channel from a few years ago. My first ukulele cover I posted on there and I felt like it would be nostalgic, so that's why I chose this one for this week. And I hope you enjoy.
Anyway, I hope you all really enjoyed the show, the music, and everything. And so, right now, y'all y'all know what time it is. Time for the question of the show. So, I pick a question every single week to answer because, as I mentioned earlier, I love answering questions. Even though most, pe- most of the time people don't ask me them. So, I either get my question of the day or the show from ask.fm backslash escawise31, which is full of anonymous questions that people ask me, or if you want to be known, shoot me a DM on Instagram at JessInTheFleshRadio, and you could potentially be featured on the show. So, anyway, the question today is, do you always smile for pictures? Long story short, yes. (laughs) 99% of the time I do, there are a select few photos that are online that I'm not smiling in. The thing about me is, I feel like I can't pull off a model-esque facial expression. I just feel like I look dumb. So, I'd rather just smile because it's easy, it's natural, and I don't feel like I will... I, I don't know. I don't know how to... I don't know what else to do with my face if I'm not smiling, honestly. I really just don't know what to do with it. So, anyway, let's pose the question to you guys. You can answer in the comments or in an Apple review. Do you always smile for pictures? Let me know. Anyway, if you all want to connect with me on social media, you can do so at Jess in the Flesh Radio on Instagram and on Twitter, it's at Jess in Flesh. If you want to submit a discussion topic, please comment below on the video version on YouTube or better yet, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you search Jess in the Flesh on Apple Podcasts, you will find the cover art for this episode. You will scroll to the bottom of my page and you can leave a review. Let me know how you're feeling about it. I would really love some feedback. I will feature some reviews at the end of the show once y'all start popping them off, bringing them all in. And I would just love to share them here. So if you would love to leave a review, it would be very helpful. Also, if you would like to support the show monetarily, this is definitely not a mandatory thing, but if you really feel compelled to contribute to this show, I would very much appreciate it. You can go to anchor.fm backslash Flesh backslash support. You can donate a monthly donation whatever your price range wants to be, you can donate as well. And also, final thing, if you want to submit any song requests, or if you want to ask the question of the show, or send me any feedback in an audio message and actually be a part of the show, you can go to anchor.fm slash just in the flesh slash message and you can record an audio message and actually be a part of the episode which would really be sick so yeah feel free to do that as well anyway thank you guys so much for listening i hope you all thoroughly enjoyed this episode of just in the flesh and i hope to see you next time bye guys (laughs)